world is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best, and always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. Today, he is continuing the conversation on taking the high road. And now, here is Pastor Sexton. It's a great joy to be with you again uh, today, and I want to thank you for listening, and I'm glad we can have these conversations together. We're on the subject of taking the high road, and in case you didn't get what I said when we started all of this conversation about the high road, the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. It is choosing between the good and the best, always choosing the best. It is the unending pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone develops a philosophy for life. This is mine. This is mine. I, I think sometimes I'm thinking of Clarence Sexton being synonymous with taking the high road. It's just, just the way I want to live, and it's the way I want to encourage other people to live. I think anyone can choose between the good and the bad, and that's where most people abide, between the good and the bad. This is a better thing. This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. But look, it's, it's always coming to the point of saying, what is the best? Let's do the best. It, it, it is something that guides our life. I said God is our goal. We don't make a goal out of a byproduct. We remove all secondary things because things come at us and we think this is it, and it's not it. It is hidden somewhere there. Fine, fine. Remove all secondary causes and see the Lord in it. And when we wait on God, we're not wasting time. We deliver and develop the right worldview, which means we know the Lord's coming again. We know our days are numbered. We live joyfully. We're hopeful people, and we are to become faithful witnesses. This is so important. Now we come to something else on the high road, and that is we give God's Word authority over our lives. The whole world is developed, functions, moves forward by authority and submission to authority. We recognize that we're under authority. We know, at least I hope we know, who's in charge in situations. But when it comes to the Christian life and living for God, when we have God's Word, we have God's Word. The Bible is God's revelation of Himself. It is God speaking. He doesn't tell us everything He knows in the Bible, but He tells us everything He wants us to know. I get answered, uh, asked questions all the time that are, are really senseless, useless questions. And when they are discovered to be that way, it's always something God doesn't give clearly uh, an answer about. But there are the things that are essential in life that are answered in the Bible. And we give God the authority over our lives. I picture myself with the Bible above my head. And in that visual representation, I'm thinking, I answer to the Lord, I answer to God's Word, God's Word has the authority over my life. Does God's Word have authority over your life? Have you given God's Word the authority over your life? By the way, this isn't something you decide when you read it. This is something you decide as you 
as you approach the Lord, as you think of God and who he is. When our Lord's disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he did. He taught them to pray, and he gave what some people call a model prayer. The Lord's prayers in the 17th chapter of John, the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember when he did teach them, he said, Pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In other words, prayer begins with God. He's saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before you jump right in and start asking God for everything imaginable, we're to think about who he is, of his greatness. We're to hallow his name, to lift him high. How did you get into the throne room anyway? On the merit of the Jesus Christ. We have his imputed righteousness on our account. We've been born again. He sees us as he sees his own dear son, and we have access because Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us. And we go to speak to him in prayer, and we recognize who he is. And our vision of God is constantly enlarging as we learn more of his greatness and what he can do and what he is doing. And we learn all that from the Bible, from God's Word. The Bible is a miraculous book. There are, there are miraculous things about the Bible. It is miraculous in its, in, its, in its revelation. How did God get this Word to us? He revealed Himself, not only in conscience and creation, but He revealed Himself, he revealed himself in words. And human penmen wrote down what God gave them. All Scriptures give them inspiration of God. And so it is a, it's a supernatural work that God has revealed himself in his word. It's a supernatural work that we have an inspired Bible. All scriptures give them inspiration of God. It's the breath of God and the guarantee that this is what God has said and what God has given purposefully. And it's supernatural in its revelation, in its inspiration. It's supernatural in its preservation. It's not for one people, one time, one generation. It is for all time. It liveth and abideth forever. It is supernatural in its illumination. It lives. It gives light. It opens our understanding. And so one thing for sure on the high road is that we give God's Word authority over our lives. I've already decided. When the Lord lets me know something, I'm going to obey it. The decision's already made before it's revealed to me. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do what he says. I've made this choice. And as God speaks to me and deals with me, I've given his word authority over my life. This is essential on the high road. And then we learn on the high road, in order to be spiritual people, we must be scriptural people. It's impossible to be a spiritual person as God defines it without being scriptural. For instance, in Galatians chapter 6, God teaches us that when somebody falls, those who are spiritual restore such in one, or the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Where are the spiritual people who can do the spiritual things? Where are the spiritual people who have the fruit of the Spirit? There are nine graces given in that one fruit. It's like a cluster of grapes with nine grapes on it. There are nine things, things that are Godward, inward, manward, all in one fruit, singular, the fruit of the Spirit. That's a spiritual person. Spiritual people do amazing things. 
They follow the Lord. Uh, a, a carnal person can hear something and blow it up and blow it up and blow it up until it's massive. A spiritual person deals differently with problems. They find that Christ is the answer. They don't make more out of it. They, they understand what to do with it. And these people of understanding, these people who have the love of Christ shed abroad in their heart, these people who, who can restore others, these people who can understand God and what God is up to in the world are the spiritual people. And in order to be spiritual, we have to be scriptural people. One of the greatest books ever put in my hand was a book written by James M. Gray, who was president of Moody Bible Institute for many, many, many years. And um, he wrote a book called Mastering the English Bible. It's really a book that's about learning how to let the Bible master you. Bob Norman, a friend of mine years ago, pastor of the Belmont Heights Baptist Church, took an interest in my life as a young preacher, took me into his study and gave me a copy of that book and other books. He's the one who first gave me a copy of Frank Borum's books on Bible verses of great people. Oh, what, what a world he opened up to me. But anyway, he gave me a copy of James M. Gray's book, How to Master the English Bible, and I cherished it. I read it through and through and read it again, read it again, read it again. Recently, I have had Crown Christian Publications reprint How to Master the English Bible and also added another little book inside it on what Lincoln had in, in the Bible, what, what the Bible did to affect Lincoln's life. I'm just saying Learn the Bible. Learn how to learn the Bible. Study the Bible. Read the Bible. Search the Bible. Compare Scripture with Scripture. Memorize Scripture. Meditate on the Scripture because you can't be a spiritual person without being a scriptural person. That's what you find on the high road. On the high road also, on the high road, you, you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth in love. I've said for years that our convictions without being clothed in compassion, only make people mad. And we're good, those of us who are fundamental Christians, we're good at making people mad. Uh, we, we know the truth. We preach the truth. We confront people face to face. And by the way, there's a time for that, but it always ought to be done, as Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, speaking the truth in love. The Bible says when the Lord Jesus Christ came, the Creator became a man without ceasing to be God. He came into the world, and the world rejected him. He came to his own, his own rejected him. But as men as received him, to them he gave you power to become the sons of God. And the Word of God tells us also in the first chapter of the Gospel according to John that when he came, he was robed in flesh, and he came full of grace and truth. That's difficult. We want to say, hey, we've got grace, but do we have truth? Well, we've got truth, but do we have grace? And we need to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. This is living on the high road, so we speak the truth in love. It's time for you to ask yourself, am I speaking the truth in love? Am I speaking the truth? Am I speaking the truth in love? Some people want to just major on grace and forget the truth. Oh, it doesn't matter what people think or believe. Maybe you've said that. Honestly, it does matter. 
There is truth. There truly is truth. And if God is before all things, all truth proceeds from him. And so we must speak the truth in love with the Spirit of Christ. Next on the high road, we understand the will of God settles everything. <laughs> and it does. It does. With one little twist or turn in your life, you could be a thousand miles from where you are right now. Think about where you are. Think about what's going on in your life. Think about how your life has unfolded and things have unfolded from your life. Think about your personal journey. Do you see God in it? Do you see the Lord guiding? Do you see how God has been with you? The will of God. I would not have chosen the path that God chose for me. Now, I, I don't want to get in an argument with God. I'm just saying I, I wouldn't have started out as a minister in Greenback, Tennessee. You know, I was full of myself. I wanted some, something bigger and better. But then God broke my heart and I love those people and could have stayed there the rest of my life. Sometimes wish I had. Those were simpler days. You know what I'm talking about. We were in a little farming community of 350 people, and we were loved, appreciated, and we loved and appreciated the people. I just enjoyed so much digging into God's Word and sharing what I'd learned from God's Word with God's people. And in a little farming community like that, we were eating from their gardens, eating in their homes. We had precious people. Oh, I remember so many precious people. We've always had precious people in God's work in churches. But Greenback, when I say the word Greenback, Greenback, Tennessee, the little farming community, my heart is warm. It's really tearful, not sadness, but all the joys that came to us. And then God led us to go to North City, Tennessee, <laughs> not far from Greenback, but I pastored the Calvary Baptist Church there. So we went from Greenback Memorial Baptist Church to Calvary Baptist Church in Lenore City, Tennessee. We met wonderful people. We were able to stay in some contact with the people in, in Greenback. I didn't interfere with the next pastor, but we loved them and they loved us. And then we found another group of people who could be loved and could love in return. And we had the most wonderful, most amazing ministry at the Calvary Baptist Church in Lenore City, Tennessee. That was back when Interstate 75 wasn't completed, and there was a detour, a bypass, right through our little town of 6,500 in, in Lenore City, Tennessee. And oh, what we learned, what we learned. We had learned to go to every door. We made it a personal go to every door, knock on every door in Greenback. There weren't that many doors, 350 people but we present the gospel to every residence. And then we did the same thing in that town of 6,500 people in North City. We called. I remember getting the phone book back in those days, and it had every phone number in it. It was a small phone book, but we called every person in the phone book and did a telephone survey. And then we found prospects. Then we went out to win them to Christ. We had big vacation Bible schools. We had big days in Sunday school, record-setting things, soul-saved buildings filled. We, we bought property and leased other property and had Sunday school classes and funeral homes and grocery stores and, and uh, just oh, how we saw the Lord bless. And then we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, 
and I worked with Dr. Lee Robertson. That was an amazing part of the journey. But we felt like we were following the Lord. I became an independent Baptist. I left the Southern Baptist Convention. I made a willful decision. What prompted it was all the battling over the inerrancy of Scripture, and I just felt like we could not we could not contribute anything uh, through the cooperative program that might go to support someone teaching in one of our colleges or seminaries that did not believe the Bible. Now, not everyone makes that choice, but that's a choice Evelyn and I made. That was a part of God's journey for us. And while I was at Highland Park, I became so burdened and just consumed with world evangelism and missions, and I realized God had made me a pastor. I never want to be anything but a pastor, and today I don't want to be anything but a pastor. And uh, so I got New York City on my heart. I felt like it could all be done there, you know. And so we were called to the Madison Avenue Baptist Church in Patterson, New Jersey, 11 miles from New York City. Uh, the church had voted to close and, and either donate the building to the Salvation Army or sell the building and get money and donate it. They had voted to do that. At the end of the year, it was all going to happen in, in December 31st. And uh, they'd been without a pastor for five years. What noble people hang on, do what they have to do to have a church meeting and move forward for five years with no shepherd. Think about it. And I went there appreciating, commending those people, loving those people. There were some things to deal with. When they had, had to lead, they didn't have a leader. That had to be dealt with in a certain way. I wanted to do it with it, deal with it in love. When I came there in August, they were going to close in December. We counted one time the leaks in the roof. There were 26 different places where the roof was leaking. There were buckets, literally buckets catching rain, chains around doors to keep the doors uh, closed so people couldn't come in and vandalize. The carpet had been let to rot in certain places. Uh, but the Lord did an amazing work, maybe the most amazing work I've seen in my life in ministry. He resurrected that church to a great church, great blessings, many saved. You see, all these different kinds of things. And I'd always been uh, thinking about that part of the world. I tried to start a college there, and I couldn't. I mean, I made great effort to start a college there because God had put in my heart in 1978 to start a college, and I went there in 1980, but it couldn't happen. It didn't happen. It wouldn't happen. Even Dr. Lee Robertson wanted to help me start the college there. And we sought property, land. I taught in the New York School of the Bible in Manhattan on 57th at the Calvary Baptist Church on Monday evenings for years. And that just fired me up to try to have a college to train people to serve the Lord. But it just didn't happen. There's no way I could explain in words how frustrated I got. I didn't know what to do. I loved the people, loved the place, bought every piece of land I could buy. We became the large land, largest landowner in Patterson, New Jersey. Pretty amazing. It was the third most densely populated city in America at the time. And we had land to build on, move forward. Finally, they sold that land for millions of dollars after I left. But that's the journey God took me on, then to bring me to the Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, on the outskirts of Knoxville, in actually North Knoxville in Knox County. And for these 31 years, that's where I've been. And we've seen God's hand. But my life is not just about what God has done in Knoxville. 
My life is about what God has done all of my life, how the Lord has led me along, and how I know the will of God settles everything. There was a time in my life all decisions, all the decisions were made for me. We lived 19 different places before I was in the third grade. That's another story. Finally, we settled in Maryville, Tennessee. Then eventually I graduated from high school and I separated from my family in the sense that I took a wife and started my own home. And then I had to find God's will for myself. And in finding it, I found that it settles everything. What you get paid, where you live, what you do. The will of God settles everything. That's the conviction that you walk with and live with when you're on the high road. Then I've learned that God calls me to himself. He called me to himself. In the third chapter of Mark, the Bible says that Jesus called the disciples to himself. Then he sent them to preach. Chapter 3, verse 14, I believe. And so my calling is to be with the Lord. And that brings the equipping. It's not education. I've tried to get all I could possibly get, uh, finishing a doctor of ministry degree. But it's not education that equips us. It's good. Only if it's given to the Lord, the discipline in the education is what really helped me, I think. At Hiawassee College at University of Tennessee at Temple Theological Seminary and, and here at Crown College. But it's, it's God's presence. It's God's presence that equips us. I'm telling you, I couldn't stand the pulpit and preach if I didn't know God was with me. I couldn't believe I had something to say if I didn't know God was with me. I wouldn't have the strength to face people and say things, sometimes boldly say things and speak things, if I didn't know God was with me. I wouldn't have the strength to carry on if I didn't know God was with me. But he's called me to himself, and he keeps me called to himself. Every Christian has that first calling, a call to be with God. I'd love to talk more about this, but we'll meet again together in another podcast. Thank you for listening, and let's make it a point to pray for one another. And I want you to pray for the Temple Baptist Church, and I want you to pray for the Crown College. And may God continue to bless and launch us forward in His wonderful work. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.